Welcome to the As the Leader Grows podcast. I am your host, Ken Jocelyn. I truly believe that everyone has something incredible to offer this world, but we too often get in our own way. We let the noise of this world crush our confidence and rob us of our focus. We let people and circumstances influence how we lead ourselves and how we lead others. The good news, you're not alone, and the change you desire is not out of reach. It's just on the other side of your decision to grow. A decision to grow into the leader that you're meant to be. If you're ready to build the confidence, gain the clarity, and create the community you deserve, you have landed in the right spot, and now is your time to grow. Hey, welcome to the As the Leader Grows podcast. I am your host, Ken Jocelyn. I've got a treat for you today. I have got the most fired up, purple-haired CEO, 75 hard, ass-kicking, international book, best-selling book, um, top podcast called Going Rogue. She just had Andy Frisella on her podcast. She's a CrossFit level one trainer, and she is just an overall badass. And I got to spend the entire weekend with her in Atlanta at my Create Conference. Angie, what's up, girl? Hey, Ken, thank you for having me. Jay, take a second and tell our audience a little bit. I mean, if you've got a better intro than that, you can you can take a shot at it. But tell our audience a little bit about what you've got going on in the Bay Area. Uh, I am the owner and CEO of Elevate Addiction Services, which is a residential treatment program in Northern California. We have a couple centers, one in Santa Cruz and one in South Lake Tahoe. And uh, with that, we also have virtual outpatient. I have my uh, podcast that I do and really just any means that I can help people who overcome addiction. That's what I'm all about. I love it. Talk to me. Um, two things. Number one, you disclaimer on your website says views expressed are my own. I couldn't imagine. I just that, 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 I'm, I'm taken back. Like I'm shocked that the views that you express are your own, that you have a problem <laughs> expressing your which how you feel. Does that surprise um, you? You don't think I just, just take it from everybody just, else? Just a little bit. Um, <laughs> yeah, we we've had some we've had some opportunities to connect. We met at a mastermind I spoke at last um, last summer in uh, Cancun and got to spend some time together. And then um, just connecting, you know, back and forth over the past you know eight nine months. Uh, so residential treatment centers. Talk to me. Why that? Well, I myself uh, overcame addiction. I, I had I started drinking and using at a very young age. I was 11 years old, which sounds super strange to say that now. And uh, by the time I was a, I was 16, I was in my first rehab. By the time I was 20, I was facing 10 years in prison. And for me, I was very fortunate that I had a sympathetic judge that understood my situation. And even though I was in denial that, that I had a problem he still offered me the solution of go to rehab or go to prison. And that was kind of a no brainer for me. I'd been around people who'd been in and out of the prison system. And I knew kind of once you get, once you get stuck in that sort of trap, it is way more difficult to dig out of. And I was like a 20 year old girl. Like I was not at all ready for that to be my life. And so I did take advantage of the opportunity. I went to rehab. Um, I was sentenced there for a year which is unconventional of duration for rehabs, mm-hmm. but that was the sentencing. So I found a program that my best friend had just gone through 
And the executive director was willing to work with me. And so within about a month of me being a client, I started working there to sort of pay back my debt and earn my keep more or less. And after the first year, um, the judge was very pleased with my progress. He'd seen how much I'd help people, the progress I'd made with myself. And he said, that's fantastic, but you still have two more years of probation and I want to see you every six months. And for me, this was kind of scary because if I were to leave there and go figure things out on my own, if I have one slip up or any one thing I did that was wrong or people I hung around, I had that 10-year sentence hanging over my head. Mm. So I elected to stay put and keep working. I learned every position within the organization. I found my purpose and passion for helping others overcome addiction like I had. And at the end of the three years, I went back to the judge and he'd seen the amazing progress that I'd yeah. made. And the uh, the public or the, no, what is he called? The prosecuting person mm -hmm. wanted to give me another three years because I had not paid back this $13,000 in restitution that mm -hmm. I owed. Back then, uh, although there were minimum wage laws, we didn't really abide by them. It was kind of like mom and pop. And as long as I had cigarettes and and roof over mm -hmm. my head and some food, it I, I didn't even really care. And so the judge looked at all the evidence. He'd been watching me and my progress this entire time. And he turned to the prosecutor and he said, you know, I so rarely get to see successes in this courtroom. I don't know what bigger success I could possibly see or what more you could possibly want from this girl. You know, you were paid on insurance five, three years ago for that. So and then he turned to me and he said, you know, not only am I wiping away that restitution, I'm completely cleaning your record. You have wow. a brand new clean slate, young lady. Go do life. And uh, I never even knew that was possible. You know, it was like almost like yeah. a full pardon. And, you know, I'm crying and I'm grateful. And how at that you point, Angie? 23, 24. How old was I at that point? Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. So yeah. What, so what was that like? It sounds like that's probably one of the first moments in your life where you realized, hey, I'm I'm special. Like I've I've done something really cool here. Yeah, it was redeeming. Like I said, I was crying. I realized yeah. that my debt to society, all the taking that I had done was paid back is how it felt like I've finally done enough to contribute. And, and also at that point, it was like, well, now what are you going to do with your life? And so moving forward, I just kept doing the same thing. And now, but now I'm there on my own volition. Now I'm there because I love this. Now I'm there because I'm here for myself because that's where I found my true purpose as helping people like me. And I've been there ever since, you know, I'm coming up on in May, 29 years of being there. So it's really all I know and all I've ever done, but I don't ever want to do anything else either. Wow. What is, tell me the, tell me the difference between that moment or is there a difference between that moment with you when the judge said hey i'm not only get it you're done no more extra three years your record's wiped clean tell me how that feels in correlation to watching somebody come through your program and then then them graduate being clean and experiencing that same thing that you did it's exactly the same feeling because 
our program is different. You do get a graduation. There's a curriculum. There's a whole lot of work that they got to do in order to get there. It's not about just serving days and times. It's actually achieving things. And when you see them standing on the podium with tears in their eyes, grateful and thankful that you help facilitate them getting their lives back, or you have their families up there crying and thanking you for giving you their child back, there's no there's no feeling better in the entire universe. Like you could be having the worst week dealing with bureaucratic, this, that problems, payroll, you name it. But then you see that and you're like, it's all worth it. Everything we do is worth what I'm able to see every single Friday night. So how did that have an effect when you were 23, 24? How'd that have an effect with you on your relationships with family and friends and people that were in your life at that time? Um, well, my family was really grateful because they didn't have to worry about me anymore, but yeah. it literally took at least that long, probably maybe even a couple of years longer before my mom would even let me uh, like have a key to her house or come into her house or be in her house without her there. So those relationships, um, you know, I grew up tough love, latchkey, like it wasn't like, oh, good, you graduated the program. Here's your brand new car and all this money. It was mm -hmm. more like, okay, cool, whatever. You know, we'll see if you you keep it together. Yeah. It was a much different response. So like the my relationship with my mom took me a long time to rebuild. And I'm okay with that because I did a lot of damage. I get it. Yeah. Especially once I became a parent, I was like, Wow, what I put my mom through? Holy crap. Yeah. Um, Your my kids are angels. Oh, man. Well, you know. <laughs> well, I mean, compared to where you were at. How, how, how yes, this is absolutely true. Yeah, yeah absolutely at. true. So, yeah. So it was a rebuilding and it was a complete, you know, wiping out of all the people I used to know and rebuilding people that were like minded and and striving towards success and doing all the right things, uh, which was a big part of of rebuilding. You can't hang on to those toxic relationships and expect that you're going to be able to do well in life. What were, what were some of the wins right after that? What were some of the big things, the big moments that happened in your life after that judge said that to you? Oh, I got my license back, which had been mm -hmm. taken away from me. I got my first car. I yeah. moved out on my own. Like I literally became an adult. <laughs> it, was a, it was amazing. But for me, I love the learning, like learning every position within the organization. Mm -hmm. Like I've never... I barely graduated high school. Like I graduated with like a 1.16 and it wasn't because I was smart. I was actually luckily very smart, but I was tardy or absent or late the majority of my entire high school career. It's, it's amazing. I even graduated, but so being able to get back into a learning environment that was applicable to what I was doing. And for me to become the CEO of this multi-million dollar organization and not having gone to college one one day of my life wow. has been really big for me. And I definitely struggled that imposter syndrome. You know, I don't have the MBA. I don't have all these degrees to say I'm that good. I just have, you know, the hard knocks of life and <laughs> learning the hard way about most yeah. things. Yeah. So you've, so you're making obviously an impact with the people there in your facility. You're also making an impact online with your, with your going road rogue podcast. Talk yeah. about that. Talk about what, what was the thing that led you to start a leadership um, podcast, life podcast. Talk about that. So it was the pandemic. I was, uh, because we were an essential business, we were allowed to stay open. We were allowed to continue to bring in clients to help. However, we needed to minimize the amount of people that we would have coming and going into the center to sort of minimize any 
you know, outbreaks or damage. And so I, for the greater good of the people that were going in to help the clients, I stayed home and started running things remotely. Well, this was a weird place for me because I've always been so immersed in my community, learning this whole Zoom world and creating yeah. all this. And I was working with a mentor at the time and he's like, you, I feel like you need to create, like, what do you, what can you do that makes you feel good? And I'm like, the only thing I do is talk. Like I'm, I'm good at talking. And so he said, well, what about a podcast? And I'm like, well, what warns me to, you know, have a podcast, whatever. I decided to go for it because I do love to talk. And the, the, my first podcast was because of that, needing that outlet, but also wanting to help others who were maybe in a similar situation as me. They're stuck at home. They need help. Accessibility to help, uh, was, limited. And so I really did it as a means of just being there for people. And from that, you know, we've grown and changed and I, you know, relaunched with, with going rogue and it's just, it's been a life changer for me. I've got to meet the most amazing people like you and uh, many others that I never would have had that opportunity before. Had I not gone this route. Isn't that amazing? Stepping out, trusting what God's put inside of you to be able to do that. And and I will attest, you do love to talk. We're like, the two of us get together. It's like, bah, 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 bah. we go 100 miles an hour when we're together. It's um, true. <laughs> yeah. So tell me, tell me what's next. Like what's on the horizon for you? What are some things you're dreaming about right now? Dreaming about is continuing, well, obviously continuing to help um, as many clients as I can coming into the program. If you can imagine, like it's it's so unlike any other business because we haven't built it on return customers. Like a lot of businesses, that's how they, they continue is lifelong memberships, return customers. Like we want to fix you and then you never have to need us again. And so it's a constant need of bringing in new people, getting them through. There's a constant churn and turn every 30 days, every 60 days. So the big challenge for me right now is, is continuing to have enough, or it's not like there's not enough people to help, but finding us so that we can help them. And then I really want to expand into other areas. Like the big thing I noticed was, especially during the pandemic, how bad mental health has gotten and how much people need us. Maybe they don't even have alcohol and drug addiction as a primary concern, but their mental health has suffered greatly due to what's been happening in the world the last few years. And I have total confidence in my curriculum, although it's aimed at drug and alcohol. I know with a few tweaks, we can modify it to help anybody overcome Mm. anything because of the principles and policies and the things that you work through that are in there. I love that. And I know mindset's a huge part of who you are, the discipline, you know, you're a, you're a, you know, a certified master CrossFit coach. You are a badass. I've seen you in the gym. I've seen you, I can see, you can see your shoulders right here on my life. I mean, you are, you love, look at her. She's like, she, you love being in the gym. I mean, you, you, this just makes them look good today. I like yeah, this. Yes, guy. it does. Yeah. If my shoulders are like that, I probably have a shoulder like that too. Um, but you know, the discipline and the mindset's huge. You completed 75 hard. Um, talk times. about talk about that journey. Like, first of all, explain seventy five hard to our audience. That's what I'm talking about. And then talk about so, that journey. Sure. So this was another thing, like mid pandemic. Like my son uh, was a senior when the pandemic hit, and luckily for me, I had a, a CrossFit gym in my garage. Um, so I helped him get through his senior year, even though he couldn't go to school in the gym. And he was like, you know, he was mad. I, and I don't blame him because he was very into school. Unlike well, I my was. Daughter, my daughter was a senior as well. One of my daughters. Oh, 
it was heartbreaking to see them lose out on those like, mm -hmm. you know, important moments that they would never get. His graduation was like a drive by. It was just it was unconventional. But um, with him going off to college and my daughter, she decided to move to uh, Idaho the same week. So, quote unquote, losing both kids, I was like. I didn't want to hit a depression. I could see where I was going. I'd seen many women my age who empty nested and went downhill. And I was like, that is not me. I'm not going to allow that to happen. So 75 hard is called a mental toughness program, although it definitely benefits you because of, you know, the consistency with a diet, working out twice a day, the gallon of water, the no cheat meals, the no alcohol. There's so much to it that builds a better body, but it also builds a tougher mind. And mm. so for me, I knew I needed to go all in on myself to sort of fill that void that I'd be feeling with my kids gone. And that's what I did. I went all in on it. I started, you know, at first it was a struggle, you know, I'm chugging water at midnight. I hated water. I was never a water person, but now I'm having to drink a gallon a day. And it was such a struggle for me, but yeah, there you are. Get your water. <laughs> this is, that, my kids call this my binky. For those of you guys yeah. listening to this on on uh, one of the podcast platforms, it's my 40-ounce Hydro Flask. And I drink about, yeah, I filled this up probably four or five times already today. See? There you go. And that's it, like a big key to health. And the yeah. cool thing about the 75 hard is one of the workouts, you have to go outside. So mm -hmm. in an era, and this is 2020, like August, where we're being told stay inside, I was going outside. I was getting the sunshine, the vitamin D, the exercise, breathing in the air. It forced me to kind of be out there and be out there every single day. And it's for 75 straight days. So you build a new habit, a consistency, you feel good, you start to look good. And then your production goes through the roof because you're accomplishing all these things. So now you're mentally able to take on even more and get through really anything, I think. What were some of the things you learned about yourself in that journey? Doing 75 hard? Um, I learned I don't hate water. I actually hate peeing. So like for me, I have this aversion to drinking water because it makes me pee all the time. And so I've learned how to uh, drink water in abundance in times mm. that won't affect me negatively in other areas. Yes. <laughs> I learned um, I really do love reading books. I grew mm. up uh, that was what my mom and I did every Sunday as we would go to the library. We spend like eight hours there reading books, checking out books. Like that was such a big thing for me. So in 75 hard, you have to read 10 pages of a physical book every day. And so for me, it was awesome because I'd gotten used to audibles or podcasts and gone away from that. So it forced me to kind of go old school and remember how much I do love that. And it's a part mm. of who I am. <laughs> what are some, so we're talking about that. What are some of the favorite ones you've went through oh my in the last gosh. couple of years i've gone through so many i loved shoe dog i loved david goggins obviously those yeah. are all sort of mental toughness ones um there's been a lot of your guys's that i've read all all mm -hmm. you cool speakers and mentors that i've met throughout the years i've read your books um i heard i heard somebody signed yours what was the name they signed yours your book dave <laughs> was it dave well, I'm not very good at names. So when we first met, I thought you told no, I didn't think this. I just assumed your name was Dave for some reason. So and you I assumed like Dave, I had blue right? hair because you're colorblind. Well, I'm colorblind. So. so that that that's actually a that's actually a valid reason why I would get that wrong. Yours is not a valid reason at all. So uh, 
<laughs> it's a deficiency I have. I am so terrible at names. It's true. No, I yes. And you signed I my did. book, uh, you know, to Dave, love yeah, your blue hair. I'm funny. like, really? Yeah, she called, <laughs> yeah. So she called me Dave. Um, so when I signed her book, instead of signing it, Angie, I said to Dave. <laughs> so it's a, yeah, so it's an inside joke between the two of us, but it's funny as hell. Um, so 75 hard, you've completed that. How many times have you went through that so far? So I've done it two, 20, 20 through 21. I've done it two times. I've done phase one, two times. And I'm wow. actually now, since I had Andy on the podcast, I got all my staff to listen to the podcast because we spoke about 75 hard mm. a lot. And so now we're going to do a group. It's not a competition. It's a challenge because we're going to do it together. We're all going to start together on February 13th. And mm-hmm. I feel like there's a lot because I'm offering a cash bonus at the end for anybody who can finish it first time through. How much? No fail. What are we talking about? Ah, two fifty is what I'm giving them. Okay, okay. Yeah, but we're so all going to start I, and end together. No, yeah, it's not I was terrible. I was wondering if I no, not bad at all. I was wondering <laughs> if I was going to get in on the action. I mean, you're you can definitely do it. I mean, for me, it took me three times to get through. I failed the first yeah. time on forty eight days. I t- wow. by accident. I know. I took one day off and I was like, okay, I don't know that I want to keep doing it. And I immediately just restarted the next day. Then I got to about 65 days and it was a week before Christmas. And my 15 year old dog who'd been fighting to stay alive for us through the pandemic, he died. And I just, I just didn't feel right continuing at that point. I felt like I needed to grieve and honor him. And I pulled myself off. Wow. Got through the holidays and then I started again for the third time after a month and then I finished it that. So I was almost yeah, on it for the first time. That's 175 yeah. days out of like 190 days. Exactly. Wow. Man, but can you imagine the consistency that oh, that creates? That's yeah. the magic of the program is there's no cheat. So you have right. to stay consistent or else you start back to day one. And I think that's where the magic is because every other diet or program there's been little wiggle room like oh you know if you you screw up get back on or one cheat meal or you know there's always like a little little you know back door just in case this gives you none it's mm-hmm. you're done start mm-hmm. over <laughs> no, i love that um what's the best way for people to get connected with you they can reach me uh through dm on ig at mm-hmm. going rogue podcast that's probably the best way to find me. You can, if you need help, I would go to our website, elevaterehab.org. There's 24-7 chats, phones, any anything you need. If you're not even sure you need help, just reach out to me and I'll be glad to help you in what any if, way I can. What if somebody's listening and they've got someone they know that needs help? What's the best way for them to approach them and have that conversation, Angie? Directly. I think people are afraid to step on toes or hurt people's feelings or be wrong, but trust your intuition. Mm -hmm. It's sometimes good if you have evidence so that you have a solution involved. You know, it's not just confronting the person, but it's confronting them and then having a solution for when they want help and then be prepared. A lot of times uh, people who are suffering an addiction, they feel like nobody knows or they don't want anybody to know. And you'll experience a lot of pushback back or upset or make wrong. And you got to be willing to stand in there and take that in order to save a life. Was was it, did somebody talk to you about it or was it just straight? I don't want to go to jail. I'm going to rehab. The, the the person who talked to me was my public defender. And he said, Angie, look, the judge is being sympathetic yeah. because you have an addiction. So we're going to, he's going to send you to rehab. And I was like, 
I don't have an addiction. He's like, but, but listen to me, we're going to say you have an addiction so you can go to rehab. And even with that and the amount of damage I'd done in 10 years, I, and that was the other problem. I was like 21. It was hard to confront like these things, but um, I still was in denial all the way because I just didn't think it was that bad until I started going through the process and realizing that even though I was only 21, look at all the damage I'd done, not to just myself, because a lot of times as uh, addicts, we think we're only hurting ourselves. You start to realize the gigantic ripple effect you have on everything Mm -hmm. and everyone around you. Mm -hmm. No, that's amazing. And how many, do you have a number on how many people that have graduated your programs? Since I started, oh yeah. my gosh, in 28 years, I mean, probably 10,000 plus. Like wow. it's, it's wow. been a lot. That's amazing. It's from from one decision you made, standing yeah. in front of a judge facing a 10-year prison sentence, you've turned that into, you turned that 10 years into 10,000 people. And imagine, yeah. well, I mean, if, if that's not legacy, I don't know what is. Oh. Well, and the way I look at it, it's not even those 10,000 people, right? It's there's the sphere of like probably five people around each of us that we intimately connect. So then you take that and it's actually 10 times five. So at least 50,000 in a positive way. And And they're all out there. And children and and all of the the difference and how you changed generations in people's lives because of that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And in a very non-conventional way, that's why it's going rogue. You know, it's not your traditional AANA. It's not, um, you know, you're a victim of a disease. It's not a labeling mentality. It's a total accountability, empowerment, non-victim tools to succeed, overcome your addiction, not be defined by it by the rest of your life. Like it's truly innovative and amazing. And I love love it. it. Well, you're innovative and amazing as well. Uh, thank you. And, you and too, my friend. I appreciate that. And you're leaving, you're leaving one hell of a legacy behind you and a thank lot you. of changed lives. So Angie Manson, ladies and gentlemen, one more time on the best place for them to get in touch with you. Reach out to me on Instagram, Going Rogue Podcast. Uh, I check my DMs all the time. I'm there. I'll help direct you wherever it is you need to go, whether it's with me or someone else. Um, that's how you get me. Or if you want uh, to listen to my podcast, Going Rogue, I'd watch it on YouTube. You can see some amazing guests like Ken. He was on my podcast yeah, yes, uh, just a couple of weeks ago. Uh, amazing content, good information. Just any anything you're looking for, it's there uh, in the self-help kind of field. Not even self-help, just any help kind of field. Love it. Love it. Guys, thank you for joining us today for another episode of As the Leader Grows. My good friend, Angie Manson. If this podcast has added value to you or helped you in any way, I'm going to ask you to do a couple things. Number one, hit that subscribe button. Number two, while while you're listening to this, snap a screenshot, share that on IG, tag me or Angie. Both of us will reshare that for you. Give you a little love from our followers as well. And again, again, thanks for joining us on as the leader goes podcast. We'll see you next week. Thanks for tuning in to the, as the leader grows podcast. My heart is always to add value to others on their journey to becoming the best version of themselves. If this episode did that for you, please subscribe, like, and share. Also, as a thank you for listening, please visit book.growstackdrive.com to get a free digital copy of my Amazon best-selling book, As the Leader Grows. Tune back in often and continue your journey of growth, whether it is here or elsewhere. The best investment you can make as a leader is in yourself.